The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, welcomes you to the radio ministry of Shi'ar Jeshub. Our pastor, Greg Scalzo, is currently in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18, as part of the in-depth study on heavenly authority. So let's go right back into the Sunday message as Pastor Greg compares the reaction of Saul with the reaction of Jonathan to David after David's victory over Goliath. Jonathan also, notice, is not looking selfishly at himself and what's most advantageous for him. Too often as Christians we do that. Rather, he appreciates what God is doing through David, and he's knit to him together in a great faith with David. Now, but Saul, old Saul is a little different, old rebellious Saul, Saul who tasted the Spirit upon him, who had the victories through the Holy Spirit, Saul who we're told when David came into the court and drove out those demons by his beautiful psalms, and Saul took to David and loved him greatly as a son when he first stood in his presence. Saul sees what David has done. And is Saul happy for Jesse's son, whom he has taken almost as his own son? Is Saul happy about it? When he says, whose son is this youth, back in chapter 17, Besides the fact that he's bemuddled, is there also a tinge of reality there? He knows that Samuel has told him the kingdom will be taken from him. Does he start to say, maybe this is the instrument that God's going to use. Maybe he's going to be the next king. He's the one that's going to replace me. And does Saul react positively to that and say, well, at least I failed, but God will raise up another to do what I didn't do? No. Saul, we're going to see, is much different than Jonathan. He's jealous. He's envious. Who is this youth? Verse 2 of chapter 18, Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. We're not sure why. Maybe he wanted to keep him right in front of him to see what he's doing, where he can control him. So uh, David, before, was able to go back and tend the father's sheep and then come back to Saul now, there's permanent residence in Saul's service. But even though David is separated from his family, God gives David a true friend in Saul's court, a true and a loyal friend. The true friend, you know, today we have a cult of friendship in America, and the kids, all they want to know is to have friends and friends. How many friends will stick by you to the end? Better to have one good, trusted, loyal friend than thousands of so-called friends that'll flee. God gives David here a gift of a loyal friend in Jonathan, and we read in verse 3, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. A covenant. They verbally agreed to remain loyal to each other. You know, the upside for David is clear. He's got the king's son favoring him. What's the upside for Jonathan? He just loves David and he wants to help him. Selfless, selfless love. 
And it says, And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David, with his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So he takes the shepherd, the unarmored shepherd, and Jonathan, the king's son, takes his robe, puts it on him, gives him his armor, gives him his sword, gives him his bow, gives him his belt. And notice they fit David a lot better than Saul's clothes. Saul's stuff didn't fit him really good, right? And there's a spiritual significance to that because Saul and David were not the same type. But Jonathan is one just like David. And so his clothing, his armor, his bow, his sword fits David just right. And you wonder when he's doing this, if perhaps he knows that God has called David to the place that he would have had if his father had done what's right and said, well, now my family's failed, help him. Help him do what's right. There are very few people like Jonathan. Most of us are so selfish. Jonathan is a very special person in the Bible. John the Baptist was like Jonathan. Many, when John preached, his preaching was so powerful, so anointed by the Spirit, that many thought that John was the Messiah, the prophet that was to come. But he clearly confessed, he said, I am not the Christ. And he says in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 26, I baptize you with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He could have had all of Israel follow him, and he said, I'm nothing compared to the one that's to come. Later on in chapter 3, and verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase but I must decrease. Jonathan is happy for David. John the Baptist is happy for the son of David, the one whom he needs and we all need. This is his whole mission to point to Messiah, the bridegroom, and he has great joy over it. And he has great joy when he says, I must decrease and he must increase. There are few like Jonathan, there are so few like John the Baptist. But there are so many, like the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and the chief priests, and the scribes. It tells us in Mark chapter 15, verse 10, that when Pilate saw them hand over Jesus, he knew that the chief priests handed him over because of envy. They were envious of him. Rather than saying, Messiah is here, they were jealous. They were envious. There are many like the Pharisees, and there are many like Saul. Verse 5, So David went out wherever Saul sent him, and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So, as Saul sends David out to do the work of the kingdom, to fight the wars, David, who knows Samuel has come and anointed him as the king, David puts that all aside and he submits to Saul's authority 
and it says that David behaved wisely. Some of your versions will say he did so successfully. The word there means to be prudent, to look at and give attention to, to act wisely, to ponder, and by implication, to prosper. Because if you think before you act, the Lord will prosper. And so again, we see David as a dutiful, obedient, responsible, thinking. Remember, he picked the stone. He found the smooth stones. He was clever. He wasn't going to fight it on Goliath's terms. He went into the battlefield on his own terms. He's a clever man, a thinking man. He gives attention. He acts wisely. He ponders his task, and he's successful. And Saul sets him up. Obviously, he's received by the men of war because even though he's a youth, they couldn't slay Goliath. He did. And he finds favor with them, and he finds favor even in Saul's own court. So, so far, it sounds like Saul's response is good. He's given David a high rank. He's promoted him to a commander. And David is readily accepted. But we are given a clear view of how Saul really feels in the next section. Verse 6. Now it happened as they were coming home. So they're coming back to Gibeah of Saul. They're coming back to Benjamin. As they are coming back, they're coming home. When David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel. So what he's accomplished against Goliath and maybe on these other missions, his reputation has preceded him. And now from all the cities, the women are coming out. And they're singing. And they're glad to see Israel triumphant. And they come out singing and dancing. They come to meet King Saul. They want to sing and praise him also. And they come out with tambourines and with joy and with musical instruments. And you think back to Miriam and the women taking their tambourines and singing after God gave the triumph over Pharaoh's chariots and the Red Sea closed over them. Here, again, the Israelite women come out with praise and song because of the victory God has accomplished. Verse 7, So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. They're saying, look at the great things that have happened unto Saul. This is a kingdom coming together. This is Israel now becoming a great kingdom under Yahweh. Look what Saul has done, and look, David has done even more under God's anointing. Even greater things. And is Saul like Jonathan when he hears that? No. It says in verse 8, Then Saul was very angry. Saul was angry. And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to, and to me they have ascribed only thousands? Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? He's angry. He's not saying in his heart, isn't Yahweh great? Praise the Lord. He, he blessed us as a people. He's multiplying his blessings. He's working through this youth who's like a son to me. Praise the Lord. Look at the victories he gave me, and now it's getting even better. Wouldn't it be great if Yahweh raises up 
more Davids, more Jonathans, more Sauls. Wouldn't it be great if we have a multitude of youth, the generation, the next generation, the next generation, who does even greater works than these? Thousand, ten thousand, millions, until the whole world is covered with the knowledge of Yahweh. Praise God. I was there when the kingdom started, and look what he's done with this boy now. Can you imagine what's going to happen to our kingdom? Is Saul there anxious for the work of God in the next generation? Does he say, as Moses said to Joshua in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord, the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Moses didn't want to just be the one guy with the Spirit of God. He wanted everyone. He wanted to see the multiplied work of God. It's Saul saying, wow, this is great. Even greater things are going to be done. No, he's holding on to what he has. It's no longer God's work, and it's no longer God's kingdom. Look what he says. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? Well, whose kingdom is it? It's God's kingdom. It's not his. That's the first thing the king is supposed to know. But he's not thinking it's God's kingdom anymore. Now it's his kingdom. We value your comments. All correspondence should be mailed to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Also, let me invite you to our Sunday service. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m. at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jeshub.